We're in our daily Bible reading for today for Friday, and we're in Leviticus chapter 23. So in Leviticus chapter 23, God lays out for them kind of like our liturgical calendar that we follow as Christians in our time, where it reminds them about their relationship with God. It says that God wants a relationship with them, one that a daily relationship, and it helps them to pass along the history that they've seen to the generations after them, just as our liturgical year None of us were around when Jesus was, was here on this earth, but our liturgical calendar that starts with Advent reminds us about prophecies about Jesus, God's plan to send a Savior, then Christmas, then Epiphany, then Lent, remembering how he, how he went to the cross for us, and then Easter again. None of us were around during that time. We do a church here so that it continues to remind us of that, and we pass that on from one generation to another. Just imagine you know, your children when they were little and they would say, well, why are we doing this? And you'd put them on your knee and you'd say, okay, this is our history. This is what we've gone through. Um, and so God lays that out for them. So let's look at some of the individual um, uh, uh, celebrations that God sets aside for them. I find it very powerful and interesting that the first thing that God says to them is Sabbath, once a week, six days of work, seventh day of rest. That is to stop doing what you're doing and have a special day dedicated to God. That's the festival that's to be observed most often, 52 times during the during the year. We're supposed to do that with the with the weeks that we have. Again, right around that whole um, order of things that God established way back in creation, when he creates the world in six days, and then he stops from doing his work on the Sabbath day and, and on that seventh day. When God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses, in Exodus, it says that's the reason for the Sabbath is because you're going to stop doing what you're doing because God stopped doing what he was doing on that day, and he sanctified that day. He blessed that day for us. So no wonder that's a, that's an order that we continue yet today is a five or six days of, of labor and then one day to set aside to worship God. Then he reminds him of the Passover celebration. Uh, that's the first of the festivals he brings up after Sabbath, starting in verse 2. So Passover, again, is a reminder of, to, to them, kind of like Lent and Easter are to us, of God delivering them from slavery in, in Egypt and God bringing them into the, into the promised land. Remember, they come out of that slavery um, not because they had power enough to conquer Pharaoh or any of his armies. No, God did all of that through all of the plagues. And then the final one, is, is the plague, the Passover, which is named for, that they are to offer, offer a lamb, take blood of that lamb, put it on their doorpost, and when the angel of death saw the blood of the, of the lamb, he would pass over, hence the name, but God took the life of every other firstborn that didn't do that. And that, of course, points towards Jesus, who is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, whose blood covers us, and because of that, the angel of eternal death passes over us. We we die physically, or more accurately, the New Testament says we fall asleep, um, but we wake we wake up in heaven. We're we're with the Lord forever. We died we died with Christ in our baptism. There, the price was paid. We get the benefits of that price, and now, therefore, we don't die anymore. Um, we we go to heaven because of again not anything because of us but because of what God did for us. So that Passover was an important one. And again, you can just imagine the children saying to the parents, you know, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we killing the lamb? What did the lamb do wrong? Why why is the uh, um, why is the lamb being sacrificed? That's a it's a beautiful lamb. It did nothing wrong. And they could explain all that about God's um, um, allowing for. Uh, someone else to take the punishment in our place, and of course, prefiguring and pointing towards Christ. 
Uh, the festival of the first fruits is kind of like our Thanksgiving uh, that we remember uh, how God has blessed us. And, and as he's blessed us, we always give proportionately. Um, that's what the offering's all about in, in worship and our offerings that we give. Uh, we're not paying our dues. We're not trying to pay back God. We can't possibly do that. But this is our offering of thanks to God. Um, same kind of the same way with the Feast of Weeks too. Um, over that 50-day festival there to remember this harvest that God allowed from the planting of the seed to the harvest of the seed, God watching over, giving it the rain and the and the sunshine that it needed to grow. And then the fact that they get to reap, reap a crop and, and sure as the world, next year we're going to do the same thing and it's going to happen again. Think back to creation. That's how God made the plants. He made them so they produced fruit, so that they would have seed, so they would continue to give uh, this is not, not a God who gives a gift just once. He continues to give gifts to us. And so that that helped them recognize that. The Feast of Trumpets is, is a reminder again. One of the things is that, that God is their king. We celebrate that with the trumpets, with the blast. Uh, in, in those days when the king would come into town, they would, they would blast the horn. Think about Jesus coming in uh, to the town on Palm Sunday. Um, and that's a reminder again that he's their king. And then... Two more, the Day of Atonement, once a year, again, kind of like Easter, once a year, they're there to remember that God is the one who made us one with him. At one meant is where that comes from. Remember, the Day of Atonement is when that scapegoat, uh, the, the priest would lay the hands on the head of that scapegoat, and he'd be driven out into the wilderness, and he would escape the scapegoat uh, with our sins. Uh, and, and God, again, would allow that transfer there uh, to happen just as he did, uh, most importantly, with Jesus, who was our escape goat and took the sin of the world. And then finally, the Feast of Booths was an interesting one, literally booths that God told the people to dwell in small little huts so that they would remember, again, that time from the Exodus onto, the, um, onto paradise um, that God watched over them, took care of them. It wasn't their their great means or great things that they had, uh, but it was all God's blessing that brought them through that wilderness. And that wilderness is kind of a picture of our life right now. We've been saved by Jesus Christ. We've been we've been brought out. We've had our exodus through our baptism. We died with Christ. We rose with Him. We're on our way to the promised land, which is heaven. In the meantime, we're in these booths, totally dependent upon God. And think about how God took care of them as they wandered in the wilderness. He gave them, you know, direction with the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. He fed them with the manna, with the quail. He took care of them. The same is true for us. But it's a booth, it's a hut, it's not our final dwelling place, just as this life is not our final dwelling place, but we know where that's going to be in heaven. So what a great order that God gives to them. Rather than looking at this as, as God saying, oh, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Look at this as God giving some rhyme or reason to each day. This life, if we don't have that, is just one day after another, the same thing we do over and over and over again. No, God gives order to that and blessing to that as, as we live out this life. Um, so God bless you as we continue to read, you know, God's direction, uh, the blessing he wants to give to us and a reminder of the fact of our relationship with him and how he desires that relationship with us. We certainly need our relationship with him. God bless you as you read.